Well, we are privileged uh, to have Jerry Heatherly as our guest speaker today. It seems a little bit strange to say guest speaker because Jerry and Ann have been members of this church formerly for many, many years. And I'm sure many of you, if not most of you, know them. Jerry is an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. And uh, he's a, also a licensed counselor. Currently, he is the spiritual care social worker for the Tri-Health Cancer Institute. And he does a lot of interim work on the district. Uh, he and Ann have been married for 35 years. And uh, they are parents to Lauren and Jordan. And the other thing that I love about Jerry is that he and I share a passion for being and making disciples of Jesus. And I'm guessing you might hear a little bit about that uh, in the minutes to come. So let's welcome Jerry Heatherly as he comes and shares with us. Thank you very much. Appreciate uh, the welcome from uh, Deb and uh, from you, Dale, and, and thank you to all the different folks that I had a chance <clears throat> to allow you to greet me um, on my way in. Um, it, was about, it was probably about 50 years ago when I first did my, uh, I did a devotional for the youth group at a skating rink. And it was uh, from 1 John chapter 1. And um, I was nervous. And uh, 50 years later, uh, I've preached a few sermons. I've done a few workshops. I've done lots of things, lots of places. And um, I, I guess I'm nervous. I, I think I'm nervous. I'm not sure if it's nerves or just... Um, or maybe I am nervous, but I'm not, I'm not too sure what I'm nervous about. Maybe that's what it is. Um, my wheels go a mile a minute in about six different directions. And uh, rather than imparting that all to my wife, I'm going to share it with all of you today. So, um, Over the years, I've been very interested in, in management books. Um, you know, most of us, many of us, if you're in a profession of some sort, you stay where you are, you do what you do, you do it well, and eventually you'll probably be bumped up to some supervisory role somewhere or another. And uh, that's been the case with me from time to time. It's not something that I enjoy or shot for, but it's just the opportunities came, felt I needed to, to accept that invitation. So over the years, I've been very interested in, in management books, and I've read management books over the years. They, they are interesting to me. They're intriguing. Um, in the process of doing that kind of reading and, and um, research, I've come across all kinds of little, um, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? What do you call it? Not the pictures on your phone, but what do you call it when you do an abbreviation like, you know, OMG or what is that called? Acronym. So there's acronyms, you know, we, we live with acronyms today with our phones. But back in the day, there were other acronyms that I was stumbling upon. MBO. MBO. Anybody, does anybody know what that stands for? Does any, are there any? Nobody. Okay. So, yeah? MBO. Yeah, okay, good. Um, TQI. 
TQM, PI, Six Sigma, Lean. Have any of you heard about any of those? Okay, now we got a few more hands. Thank you. Peter Drucker, Edward Deming, Stephen Covey, Jack Welch, David Allen, all these people, all these names, all these different ideas and thoughts about management, management techniques, being effective, being efficient. All these things have been intriguing to me from lots of different angles within my work and also with regards to uh, my involvement in the church and the body of Christ, wondering about effectiveness and efficiency. Are we or aren't we? In my own personal life, am I effective? Am I efficient? These things have been kind of in my heart, on my mind. Years back, um, I began to think as I was sort of, I guess, struggling a bit, um, I began to think and wonder and about, am I all I want to be as a Christian? You know, am I as effective as I'd like to be? And more importantly, am I as effective and efficient as God wants me to be? I think it was Stephen Covey who, who stated, who made this statement, perhaps in one of his books. If it's not, feel free to correct me after the service. I'd be happy to give the proper credit to the proper person. But the thought came to my mind probably about 10 years ago, maybe around that time. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. In preparation for any sermon, as I mentioned before, there's a 101 different things that go through my heart and mind. And the big part of preaching a sermon and keeping people with you is edit, 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 edit. And there was a part of me that thought, maybe I'll just say that. Hey, folks, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing, and let you ponder that, let you wrestle with that, let you take that, that statement to your pastor, your youth pastor, the minister of worship, whoever you want to take it to, and hammer that out. But I, I will elaborate a bit, and I am watching the clock. Um, the series that was just completed, DNA, this church's DNA, all churches' DNA, the body of Christ at large over time and space, the DNA. What are the core beliefs? Who are we? Great questions. The titles over the past eight weeks, the whole family matters. Transformation, prayer-driven, Generous, dependent on the word. People are important. Restoration. I believe all these things point to and are a part of 
the main thing. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord and watch our Savior and Lord from the book of Matthew, chapter 28. But first, John chapter 20 and 21. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary of Magdala went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen laying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind them, arrived, and he went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there but she did not recognize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father. I'm returning to my God and your God. Mary of Magdala went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Now on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. When the other disciples told him that they had seen the Lord, Thomas declared, 
Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Then Thomas said, My Lord, my God. Then Jesus told them, Because you've seen me and you've believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples which are not recorded in in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's continue. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, hey, we'll go with you. So they went out, got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, do you have any fish? Haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. Now the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards away. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon and Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This is how the third, now this, this now was the third time Jesus appeared to disciples after he was raised from the dead. Remember that phrase. Come and have breakfast. That's your memory verse for today. I don't memorize a lot of scripture. I've just, I've been too frustrated with it over the years. I can remember phrases though. Come and have breakfast. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you, love, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. 
because Jesus had asked him for the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Hear and watch the word of the Lord the living word of the Lord, the living word of the Lord that became flesh and dwelt among us. Hear and see the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 28. Again, let's hear and watch the word of the Lord, the living Word of the Lord, the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven and was going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. The angel, of the, the, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not there. He has risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him. They grasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, and they told them this. You are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away from where, the, where we were asleep, while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you all out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money, did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Hear and see the word of the Lord. The living word of God. 
who became flesh and blood and dwelt among us. Hear and watch the word of the Lord, the living word of God, who became flesh and dwelt among us, from Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he was eating with them. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Hear and watch the word of the Lord, the living word that came to earth and dwelt among us. Come and have breakfast. Wow. As much as we think we would like to have lived during the day and time of Jesus and watched him and heard him and followed him, and been intrigued by him, and been challenged by him, and been embarrassed by him, as much as we would like to have been involved in that, what would it have liked to have been with the risen Christ for 40 days? 40 days with the risen Christ. I mean, if we're, if we're on the edge, if, if we're sitting attentively, watching and listening to Jesus through the Gospels, my goodness, at this point, we best be sitting on the edge of our seat as we're watching and listening the risen Christ speak. And as we're on the edge of our seat waiting for insight and inspiration, Jesus says, come have breakfast. And then he goes on to say, make disciples. And he also goes on to say, receive power. With all due respect, To the renowned authors, the many, many renowned authors of the Nazarene Publishing House, and with all due respect to all those who have written commentaries on every single book of the Bible, with all due respect to all those who have been involved and engaged in preparing Sunday School quarterlies, with all due respect to Joel Osteen, Francis Chan, Joyce Meyer, T.D. Jakes, 
David Jeremiah, Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley, with all due respect to Fulton Sheen, Sarah Young, Rob Bell, John Piper, Bill Hybels, Rick Warren, with all due respect to Jimmy Schwaggart, Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, Ron Sider, Tony Campolo, with all due respect to Thomas Merton, Henry Nowen, Dr. H. Ray Dunning, Dr. Mildred Weinkoop, R.C. Sproul, John Maxwell, with all due respect to Max Placato, Chuck Swindoll, Ken Copeland, Jesse DePlantis, Vernon, J. Vernon McGee, Vernon Grounds, David Platt, with all due respect to Francis Schaefer, Charles Colson, Uncle Buddy Robinson. With all due respect, even, to Abraham, Isaac, Moses, David, Isaiah, Nehemiah, Daniel, the Apostle Paul, Apostle John, Apostle James, and Peter. With all due respect to all those folks and the wisest of us here, nobody beats Jesus. Amen. And Jesus says, Come have breakfast. To every single one of us here invites us to come and have breakfast. With all due respect to all those folks, nobody beats Jesus. And he says, make disciples. To each and every one of us. to each and every one of y'all. To the youngest of you. I mean that. And if I had about 20 more minutes, I would share with you a way you could do that with a couple of buddies of yours. And if I had, an, if I had a senior adult section, for those that are 65 or 70 and older, I'd gather you up and I'd say the same thing to you. Make disciples. The enemy is all about lying. He has no authority. He has no power. All he has is the capability of fostering and festering lies in your mind and my mind. And the lie that's out there is that I can't make disciples. I don't know how to make disciples, so I can't make disciples. I mean, isn't that why we've hired Dale? I mean, for crying out loud, you know, we pay this man a six-figure salary to do that. <laughs> Isn't that what the pe people come up here and do for 20, 30 minutes every week? Aren't they making us disciples? Isn't that enough? I show up. I show up again. I show up. I show up for Sunday school. I show up for Wednesday night prayer meeting. I show up for the Tuesday, uh, Saturday morning prayer meeting. I work in, in the pantry. 
I'd go out in the community. I'd do all these things. Isn't that enough? Jesus said, make disciples. Everybody get your phone out. Everybody get your phone. Got your phone? Get your phone. Turn it on. Go to your contact list. Go to your phone, go to your contact list. And then go up there where, where, where you get to, uh, go up there in the top and uh, punch the plus button if you've got an iPhone. I'm not sure if you've got the other phones. But go up there and where it says new contact, okay? Would you do that? Everybody got your phone out? I want everybody to get your phone out, okay? I'm exercising my pastoral authority at this point in time in this pulpit, and I'm telling you, get your phone out, all right, and look at it. I want you to get your contact list up there, okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to type in a name and a phone number. Are you ready? I want you to do this. This is, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on borrowed time right now, so I need you to kind of keep moving with me here, would you? And I want you to type in first name Dale, D-A-L-E. And I want you to type in last name, Wine. That's W-I-N-E, not W-H-I-N-E. W-I-N-E, Wine. Okay? And here's what I want you to do. Underneath that, there's probably, it says company. And I want you underneath there, put discipleship. Type in discipleship under that. Then under the phone number, I want you to type in 513503. 513-503-1942. Dale Wine, Discipleship, 513-503-1942. Punch done or save. Okay? So we're done there. All right? If you don't have a phone, I want you to call the office this week and get that phone number. Okay? And that name. Now, those of you that have your phone out, keep hang with me here. I'm now, I'm now two minutes over on borrowed time, so I need you to keep moving in with me here. Now I want you to go over to your text, okay? Let's go to your text. Now, I want you to go in a text. Now, on my phone, I got a little box up in the right-hand corner. It's got a pencil in it. Whatever you've got, I want you to open up your, for a new message, and it's going to say two, and I want you to type in Dale Wine right now. Right now, I mean it now, come on. Right now, I want you to type in Dale, and it's going to say Dale Wine, not Dale Smith or similar, Dale Wine, W-I-N-E. And then I want you to go down, after you've done that, and I want you to go down at the bottom where the little message box is, and I just want you to type in help. Help. If you don't have a phone, I want you to give a call to the office. I'm going to get you his phone, and I want you to leave him a message. Thank you. <laughs> hey, folks, we're in a new day and time. Some of the old-timers here, I'm an old-timer. I can say old-timer, okay? I'm turning 65 soon. You know what? Us old-timers got to get up with the, with the new times, the new sanctuary, the new stuff going on. This could very well be the new altar call right here, all right? This could be the new altar call right here. What I want you to do is if you feel led to do this, accept Dale's invitation, his availability to you to help you to know how do you make disciples. And I'm going to make it real simple to you. His, 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 his idea is 
I think it all comes down to this. You know, just spend time, more days than not, with Jesus over breakfast, lunch, dinner, or coffee, whatever. Stop the world. Stop your world for one hour, four or five times a week, and, and again, with due, all due respect to all those authors, I'm just saying, I'm stepping out here. Give it a moratorium. Just put them aside. The blogs, the TV, the video, the YouTube, the books, the whatever, and take and spend your time right there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. All of the Old Testament over here to my left, to your right, all the Old Testament is all, it's context. Don't camp out there too long. If you do, make sure you end up in the Gospels. All this to my right, your left, is, are the apostles, the apostle Paul, John, Peter, James, and others. Their commentary. Don't spend too much time there. Make sure they bring you back right here. Because Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me, he said. He did not delegate authority to the Bible. He did not delegate authority to, to Paul, to Zechariah, to Moses. Jesus said all authority is his, and he delegates to anybody and everybody. Come to breakfast, and then get you two or three other people once a week for one hour, and get together for breakfast with Jesus with them. Read the Gospels and pray. Pray for each other and pray for lost people and least people you know. An hour and then five hours. As I mentioned earlier, y'all can do that. You might need a little supervision and help. But if you were just to sit with some of your buddies and just say, you know what, we're going to pray for each other, and then we're going to read the Gospel of Luke, starting with Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read for 20 minutes, and then we're going to say, what happened? What, what, what did we see? What did we hear? What was interesting about that to us? And then we're going to pray for each other as we go that God can work through us and help us reach some of our buddies somehow or another and love and care about them. And what you do to start off that time, before you start to pray and read with your two or three buddies and read the Gospel, you ask the Holy Spirit to make you aware of His presence there with you. Because, see, here's the deal. We're all, every last one of us, are remedial. We're all, every last one of us, special needs. We need a tutor. We need a guide, and the Holy Spirit will be that. And by being a disciple, God will empower us to engage effectively and efficiently in His main thing. Our main thing is to make disciples. Be with Jesus, make disciples. Be with Jesus, make disciples. Receive the Holy Spirit 
so that we can make disciples and be with Jesus. And that then will help us to be engaged in God's main thing. God's main thing is to expand his kingdom. Person by person, heart by heart. Everyone last, every one of you that profess to be a Christian, every last one of you are qualified and called to be a disciple and to make disciples. No one here is off the hook unless you're just not following Jesus. I've done, I've shared this, I've shared this with some of the closest people that I know, people I'm closest to, and I have the utmost regard and respect for. And they look at me, and when I say, you know, you can make disciples, and they'll look at me incredulous. I mean, these people have been walking with God for decades. They've logged umpteen hours in the Bible, in workshops, in Sunday school, and they are, they've been through life, situations and circumstances and things that they've learned and things, the ways that they've grown. And I have the utmost confidence and they'll look at me like, huh? What? Me make disciples? Me make a disciple? And then I go on to say, with, and, I, and I honestly say this to the people that I have this kind of confidence in terms of their walk with God. And their understanding of God and their experience of God. I'll look at them and say, you know what? I would put my daughter under your wing for one hour a week for the next year. And I know for sure that she would not be the same after having spent 52 hours with you and with Jesus in that hour together. I've said to men that I have utmost confidence. I look at them and I say, you know what? I would put my son under your, under your care. I'd put my son under your wing for one hour a week. And after 52 weeks, he would not be the same having been with you and Jesus. And I, you know, if I was to sit down and talk with some of you all and find out about you and your life and the things that you're learning at your young age, I'll bet there's some young people that I'd, I'd put in your, in, in your shadow under your wing for one hour with you and Jesus. That's how powerful the gospel is. That's how powerful God is. That's how powerful and pervasive the Holy Spirit is that can do incredible things if we'll just show up for breakfast. If we'll show up for breakfast ready to make disciples, if we'll show up for breakfast ready to make disciples and to receive power, he'll give us what we need to do what we got to do. But we've got to get past our lives that that's not my job or I'm not capable or there's other things more important. There's nothing more important going on. I guarantee you nothing more going on in this building or around this building that's more important than what I just shared with you. Spending time with Jesus, with some godly people, prepared to make disciples and go and, and, and minister to the least and the lost. Hear the word of the Lord. Stand with me if you would. Got a little simple song I'd like for you to sing with me.
know, we come to breakfast. We come to breakfast in order to listen and watch Jesus. We come to breakfast to hear with our eyes, hears with our ear, hear with our heart. And I'll encourage you to sing this with me. Lord, as we prepare to sing, as we prepare to wrap up, we'll tr- I have to trust you, Lord, that what you want to get across, you're getting across right now. And so now I'll pray, Lord, for all of us here who have been listeners, that we will be doers of the word, and we'll do what we've got to do in order to do what we've got to do. In the meantime, Lord, we'll... we'll We'll just keep listening and trust you to speak to us and move us. Song goes like this. Mm, hush, whoa, whoa, hush, whoa, whoa, somebody's calling my name. Hush, whoa, whoa, hush, whoa, whoa, somebody's calling my name. Hush, whoa, whoa, hush. Whoa, whoa, somebody's calling my name. Oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord, what shall I do? Will you sing that with me? Real simple. Hush, whoa, whoa, hush. Whoa, whoa, somebody's calling my name. Hush, whoa, whoa, hush. Whoa, whoa, somebody's calling my name. Hush, whoa, whoa, hush. Whoa, whoa, somebody's calling my name. Oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord, what shall I do?